Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. I feel like today we're we're super low-voiced <laughs> since we're recording in the morning instead of the evening. Yeah, we haven't had time uh, to yell at our kids enough to warm our voice up. Well, plus, this is like turning into peak allergy season for me, and everything's a little bit rougher. Yeah, I think I have allergies. I never used to. It never used to bother me, but I think because I'm pushing the big four zero, that <laughs> your body just starts shutting down and hating you. You know. Well, I mean, if you also you know took the allergy medication, like I tell you to, it wouldn't be so bad. But this is not about that right now. This is about oh. us railing on allergies. Oh, okay? okay, sure. But the weather has finally turned here in Ohio, and it is feeling like fall since this week was the official first day of fall in the northern hemisphere so i'm really excited about that i got out my fall decorations been driving jason crazy got my fall throw pillows i got these adorable little fall gnomes at the store yesterday oh my gosh they're so cute got my little fall signs out i love it it really ties the room together it does it does actually i'd like some more like i need a bigger wall hanging i'll probably when i go to target later i'll definitely pick something up you know how I am at Target. Do you have to? Like, we really just bought a bunch of stuff. Like, I think we're all right. No, I just need, it's not, like, the little acorn thing I got is not big enough. It doesn't take up enough real estate on the wall, so it looks kind of dinky. And I, I need, like, a like a big wreath, like a big fall wreath. You need one? I do. The wall needs it. The wall needs it, Jason. The walls need it. Yes. At least until I get to put out the Halloween decorations on October 1st. So you're going to go buy something for eight days? Come on. No, nine just days. move it over. I don't have a Halloween wreath, but there's a thought. Uh, okay. So you guys see what I'm living with here. Our walls need de- decor. Yeah. I like the white walls. It's fine. Ew, no. It feels unwelcoming, and that's what I'm all about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jason wants one of those doormats that says, go away on it. And we just sit out front. Because clearly our uh, no soliciting sign is not really working as well as I had hoped. It's not just a no soliciting sign. Have we talked about that on the podcast before? I don't know. It basically says, F off everyone that wants to come to our house, (laughs) is really what it says. Like, it is the most dramatic, like, hostile type sign. It said, if it doesn't say friends who are invited or we know are coming over, it doesn't have that. It has everyone else can F off and go. Like, uh, we, get, we get a decent amount of packages, so I'm sure that the package people are like, oh my gosh, these people. It also doesn't say no package deliveries. I made sure, because we do get a lot of packages, and I don't want to be that guy. You you are that guy. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I'll post a picture of this on Facebook so you guys can see the awesome sign. Oh my gosh. it Like, I am embarrassed by it. <laughs> Because it's like so unfriendly. And when I was putting our young, our oldest out on the bus today, it fell off the side of the door and hit me in the head, which made me really even, I almost threw it away. Like Jason doesn't know how close he came to losing that sign. Oh, I love the sign so much. I need that. So I need a welcome fall sign. Welcome fall, unless you're one of these people that meet the criteria oh on this gosh, sign. No. All right. So I think we've talked enough about this. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Let's let's. Why you're really here? Let's talk about board games, not why Jason's like a crotchety old man that yells "Get off my lawn!" <laughs> while he's sitting in on his front porch with uh, in a rocking chair with a shotgun. And that surprises no one who listens to this podcast. I I would hope not. <laughs> so let's do some uh, crowdfunding news, some Kickstarter news. I've got some really cool stuff on here this week, and actually, one of them I don't know anything about because I tasked you with it. So the one that Katie doesn't know about because she didn't play it with me is the artemis odyssey so this is the second game in the artemis universe because everything has a universe nowadays and it has three days left it's 55 dollars. and this one was designed by bruno Faduti. and there's an i think it's serge uh, legit yeah serge legit yeah i was like it's another famous designer but i couldn't remember his name and what you're doing in this is you are trying to move around your spaceships and discover different planets that produce resources or maybe alien artifacts. 
and alien artifacts are going to give you special abilities used to the game, and some of them will give you special points. But the way this is done is, in true Bruno Fiduti fashion, you're going to be using these cards, everybody has the same cards, and you're going to be putting them down on this programming board. So depending on the number of players, I think in a three-player game, you're going to use nine different spaces. So each player is going to play three cards. The trick here is you can play the card in any position that you want. So if, you, if you're first player and you want your card to fire off last, you can put it in the nine space. And then you'll go on until that board is full. And then starting with space one, you're going to flip the cards. The person who played the card is going to get a little bit of a bonus, but everybody gets to take that action. So it's one of those things that, uh, what other game does that? Uh, like Ares Expedition or something. If you pl- take the, the action, you get a little bit of a bonus and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of deal, but you don't know what you're getting into because you don't know what those nine cards are. You could have played the exact same three cards as someone else, so you wasted it when you could have played something else because someone else was going to cover that action. So it's that kind of thing. But effectively what you're trying to do is it's a race to get to, I think, 70 or 77 points. I'm not sure. It's something with a seven. And the first person who gets to that by discovering planets, um, building different types of factories and all that kind of thing is the winner. So it's a lot different than the Artemis Project because that's a dice placement game. This is more like a programming, interesting card playing discovery game. It's, It's different. There's a video on our YouTube channel if you want to go check it out and see what it is, but it's solid. I think I may like the Artemis Project better, but this one's definitely solid. So Artemis Odyssey, three days, $55. Yeah, this is from Grand Gamers Guild, and you can also, one of the Kickstarter pledges is includes the Artemis Project if you missed that. I know I've played that. You did, yep. I vaguely remember it. Well, it's just hard because we play a lot of the, and it's, we play a lot of games, and it's Similar to some other games, so do that's we, probably why. Do we own this? No, this was a review oh. I had to send send away. Okay, that's also why. If we just play it kind of once and it's a review game and I don't see it on our shelf again and get it back out, I I used to have a good memory and then I had children and they sucked my brains out, basically. That's how I feel about that. But yeah, um, the other thing that I think is funny about Artemis Odyssey is Artemis Project I always thought was um, about space, but it wasn't. This one actually is. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, this one is definitely space. <laughs> so you know how I feel about space. But some people love space. And it has a solo mode. So hey, if I mean, you like that stuff, check it out. It literally, it's set in space, but it's just artwork. There's nothing to this game. It's it's black and alien artwork. That's it. Well, I don't like black and alien artwork. so. But I know right. lots of people do. That's true. All right, a completely different direction, and one that I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about this game, but the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, this game looks cool. And the game is called Dog Park. And actually, it's got a subtitle. Dog Park, a beautiful board game about walking dogs. And that is what this game is about. I'm like, ah, dog walking game. But it's really cool. So there's all these different phases, phases and it's the components. Oh my gosh, the components on this are cool so there's like 163 different dog cards so all these different dog breeds so if you're dog people automatically that's it for you if you're a dog person i don't understand you you guys are weird you treat dogs like humans um they basically run your lives i have other small humans that do that for me i do not need a dog i like dogs i like other people's dogs it's kind of how i feel about other people's kids I like them. I'll play with them when they're around. And then I say, go home because I like to sleep through the night and not get up at a crazy hour to let you out or let you do something. I think I may like other people's dogs better than other people's kids. That may also be true. (laughs) Dogs are much more willing to come chill with me on the couch and hang out while I just pet them. And they're they're not like other people's kids that are like, uh, like, come do this. Let's do this. Ah." You know, an occasional bark I can deal with. Anyway derailed back to dog park so there's a couple different phases and the first one is like kind of a bidding phase where you're going to bid to get these dogs in your kennel the cool thing about it is you are bidding with these leashes so it's like a dial that has a leash on one side and then you turn it um so that on the other side it shows the number that you're bidding and then you flip them over and reveal and like the winner of the bid then takes their the dog that they want which it, it looks, that looks super cool. So then you get the dogs in, and then in order to walk them, you have to have the things the dogs want. So maybe your dog wants like 
two balls to play with and a stick or a treat or a treat and a stick, um, which is really cool because they're actually these little shaped pieces that look like dog treats and sticks and dog toys. And oh, it's so cute. Oh, man, it's got shape stuff. It's in the base game. It's in the base game. I love it. So you like are going to say, okay, hey, we're going to go take them for a walk. So you have to fulfill the things they want to coax them into going on a walk. And then, so then you start walking and you go out to the dog park. Um, and it's kind of like, um, um, I, I don't, what's that kind of mechanic where you can either speed through and be the first done, but then you miss stuff. Lots of games have that. Like heaven and ale and. Oh, yeah. yeah, Like the Takedo thing. Yeah. I don't know if like the furthest person back goes last or whatever, but you go through a dog park and that's where you pick up like more sticks and more chewy toys and more treats and stuff. So you're, you're moving. And there's little dog walker meeples too. Oh, my gosh. And you're also. But like if you get if you walk too slowly, you're going to lose reputation because you are late on your walk. So it's like a, it's a cool balance, which I think is awesome. And then you go back to like home time. So everyone's back at your kennel. You're stocking it up. You're look, you're like saying, okay, how did my reputation go? You also lose reputation for like unwalked dogs if you didn't, weren't able to like get them out for a walk. Um, there's like forecast cards that then talk about the weather. And there's some like location bonuses and stuff that get added. Um, and so then you're like getting points based on your reputation is your points based on how you're walking these dogs. And there's also like little breed experts. So if you walk like a whole bunch of utility dogs, then you get like extra points for that. Oh, I guess reputation is separate because then you, no, 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 it is reputation. And so like you've got these dog walker meeples that move around. Then for your player markers, you get little dogs. Like you get a little, there's a little poodle. There's a little sausage dog. There's a little, um, German Shepherd. Oh my gosh. The shaped meeples on this thing. And I think the gameplay like looks really fun. Like I really like that. So one to four players. Um, it says 40 to 80 minutes. Birdwood Games, which I think is a newer company that I've not heard of. They're UK based. Um, and if like the artwork is really cool on this, not to mention the freaking adorable shape tokens. So if any of that sounds good to you, check out Dog Park. There's five days left on it. The base game is 54 bucks and you do get those shape tokens, but for just like $11 more, so 65, you get like, I think two expansions that have like famous dogs. So like there's one that looks like Bud McKenzie and there's Lassie and um, you get like famous dogs. I think they have this like screen printed tokens, um, which are just a little bit better than the regular tokens, but you still get the tokens. Um, there's like European dogs as well. So it's just like more, more dogs and new abilities. And um, it, I was super interested in this game and I don't even really like dogs. So check out Dog Park. Yeah, this sounds cool. And I am, the price is interesting. $54 yes. for all that stuff is pretty nice. So, yes. I'd like to see more of that uh, happening, the $50 price point with all the good bits. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's probably some additional stuff for the 65 but not, not necessary if all the nice stuff's in the 54 So, yeah, I dig that. Is this another one where you pander to me and we're never going to back this game? Probably, yes. But it, like, we don't have a game about dogs. Yeah, because we don't like dogs. Can I know, we just go over that? We have lots of friends who do like dogs, and they would like this game. And look, did you see the leashes with the bidding on the back? I haven't looked at the game up at all, honestly. It's cool. It's cool. I'll look, I'll look it up. I will look it up, because I do want to see what those leashes look like. Okay. I'm slightly appeased, but I know we're never going to get this game. Y'all heard here first. Look at what I have to endure. Look at the sacrifices that I'm making. I mean, I wanted white walls that are unwelcoming. We all make sacrifices. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Dog park. Uh, The last game is definitely in my wheelhouse. Absolutely. Um, Number one, because it's from Japanime Games. And we have basically all of their games. And everyone knows how I feel about Tantakore. But this game is about another thing close to my heart, and that is sushi. 
if you don't know, I my dad was half Japanese, so I grew up eating sushi, and it is like, I'll, it's one of my loves. <laughs> and so this game is called Sushi Boat. And Sushi Boat is really cool because you're you're basically setting up a sushi restaurant. And you've got this really awesome sushi boat. In the base game, it is still wooden, but in like the deluxe version or the collector's edition, whatever they call it, it's like a solid wooden sushi boat, which is cool, which has a conveyor belt on it to put your sushi. And there's these, I think that, and the plates, they're colored plates and they're, pl- they're plastic, actually. So I'm really impressed already by the components of this game. And of course, I love the artwork because it's adorable sushi. And you've got these adorable staff members that work um, at the Sushi Boat Place. And you've got like delicious looking side dishes like takoyaki, which I love and gyozas. Oh my gosh, miso soup. This is like making me hungry because this is everything I really love. So in this game, you are putting sushi on these plates as you're flipping over cards that tell you where to put the sushi. And then you're taking your person and you're going to sit at a place and take the sushi that's there and any other things that happen, like that happen to be there. Um, Because sometimes the cards will tell you to take the sushi next to it or whatever. Um, And there's uh, like you could also like go to the staff member if they're at your seat and then you can tip them and they'll give you like a special action. And then you take some money and you just do that in any order, but you can't repeat them. Sometimes you'll have wasabi challenges and you can win wasabi um, by kind of guessing what color is hidden at the bottom of the sushi boat because the conveyor belt keeps moving and moving sushi and like hidden plates off um, the conveyor belt. Which I think is super cool. Um, so then you're scoring, like you you put your, you, you're taking sushi and you need to kind of remember what you're taking because you get points for having like consecutive colors um, of like dishes. You get um, social benefits from buying side dishes. You get points for like having a variety of sushi, Um, so there's lots of like, and wasabi cubes also, lots of different ways to like gather those points, which I really like. Um, and plus it's just, it's really cute. Like it's super cool. So this is two to five players. It says it takes 30 to 75 minutes. I can't imagine it takes that long. I mean, it, it just looks really fun and tasty and pretty and like cool that you're using a sushi conveyor belt. I love it. So if that interests you at all, Japan and my games, sushi, just a, a fun way to, to get points in multiple ways, check out Sushi Boat. There's 10 days left on that Kickstarter and it's 60 bucks for the base game. Aren't they calling this a party game? They said that. I don't know why when it only plays... Yeah. Like five players, unless it means like it's a lighter game. Oh, maybe. Because, because it really isn't that hard. Like you go and sit at a spot, you take the sushi plate that's there. Um, you know, if there's a staff member there, you can tip them and, you know, you could get a side dish or something. Like, I guess because it's easy. I, I, I don't yeah, know. Nothing about it sounds like a party game. It just sounds like a, a regular, like, family weight game so yeah, yeah it's just confusing i don't know i don't know but it it looks it looks really good and i know we're not gonna get this either you're not gonna back this but man not for 60 bucks no way i know but it's like the board is huge the board is cool i yeah because the pieces actually go under it it's cool yeah and i, I, I think like it. it says there's also like a a chopstick box so, do you use the chopsticks to pick the sushi up? Because, I mean, that's fine. Oh, man, all the white people are going to be struggling with that. I know, right? <laughs> God love you. You guys that don't know how to use chopsticks, you're so uh. cute. I love seeing them restaurants try. I, I spent a semester in college in China, and the first night we were there, we went out to dinner. <laughs> I was the only person that could eat. Because <laughs> nobody else knew how to use chopsticks, and they weren't they didn't have any forks. And so, like, there's this big, like, lazy Susan in the middle with dishes on it, and I'm like, oh, you suckers. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have some tonsuliji. Yeah, I'm going to have some of that. Oh, you can't get it off the board? That's too bad. No, I won't help you. 
Nope, let him let him struggle. I mean, I did give him a tutorial. Like that that's what the thing. People try to make both sticks move. Do not do that. One rests in the groove between your thumb and your index finger. The other one you hold like a pencil with your thumb and index finger and make that move. I should have a I should have a YouTube tutorial on how to use chopsticks. You should. Anyway, so that's sushi boat. It looks super cool. I love everything about it. I have always loved Japan anime game stuff. So 10 days on that, 60 bucks. And that's what I have for Kickstarter news. All right. So this week's episode is actually going to be all about Gen Con. So the games we played are going to be games we got at Gen Con. And then for the feature, we're going to talk about our thoughts of our very first Gen Con. So, this might be a short episode <laughs> because... Yeah, that's, that's true. We were only there for like a few hours on one day, so... But we did get all these games that we're going to talk about that we played at Gen Con, so we felt it would be appropriate to talk about them. So the first one that we wanted to talk about is the new deck builder from Renegade, from designer Richard Garfield, Bunny Kingdom, Magic the Gathering, King of New York and Tokyo, and lots of others. And it's called The Hunger. So what this game is, is it's a deck builder where you're moving around a board. Each player's taking on the role of a different vampire. And you're trying to move around this town. It's an unnamed town, according to the rule book. And you're trying to hunt vampire or hunt humans to score blood, because you want to have the most blood at the end of the game. You're trying to find treasures that are going to give you some additional points. You may make it to the labyrinth to hunt this magical rose that will increase your speed and movement and just give you a special ability and some points. But ultimately, you're trying to do all this over 15 rounds, and you need to get back to at least the mountain area if you're playing the, the easy side of the board, or at least the cemetery if you're on the harder side of the board, to make sure that you don't get burnt up when the sun comes up and lose all of your points. So you're trying to do all the hunting to get as much blood as you can in the most efficient way possible. Maybe you want to stay close to the castle. Maybe you want to just run and get the flower and hurry up and get back and not worry about hunting a lot. So there's a couple different paths that you can take to try to accomplish this game. And it's it, it goes by pretty quick. Even at four players, it felt pretty quick because you're only playing 15 rounds. And you only play three cards at a time because your hand is three. You may draw some more and all that, but you start with three cards. So it's not bad. So what did you think about The Hunger? We've played it twice, two-player and four-player. What did you think about those plays? Um, I liked it, I think, oh, I don't know. I thought I liked it better at four-player, the reason I did is because I saw more cards out on like the hunt board, but the downtime was greater. So this game, I, I I am at a crossroads with. There's so many things I really like about it. I love deck builders. I love the idea that you want to hunt humans for points, um, but they clog up your deck. So you, but the problem is it's really hard to get rid of them. So you just have to learn to play with them, which it's cool that there are cards that will like um, bounce off of humans. So I think that that's a really clever strategy that they put into the game. I really love the artwork. I'm not super critical about it looking, you know, like 100% accurate. I don't care about that. I just like that it's cute and it's fun and like fanciful. And I really like that about it. Um I am a big fan of vampires in general as a theme, like not just in board games, but overall. I'm, I love vamps. Um, so I, I like the way that it is thematic in that, oh, if you like drink someone's blood who's intoxicated, you're going to be confused. Or yeah, if you're out too far from the castle, when the sun comes up, you're going to turn to ash. Like I, I really like that. Um, I just think there might be, be some things missing and I'm imagining that they are gearing up for an expansion so I hope the expansion meets my expectations I think there definitely should be room for player powers absolutely asymmetrical player powers even I mean you don't have to go into specialty decks but at least like a consistent player power would be nice um some I don't want to say some way to make the turns faster just because it depends if you're playing with someone who takes forever. You're only playing three cards. So that honestly shouldn't make you take for take very long, but you know, some people just 
like to take time to make the decisions instead of doing it on other people's turn before their turn. That's a whole nother topic. Um, but even cards that can be played as like responses to other people's um, turns just to keep everybody more involved, because especially at the four player count, there's a lot of downtime and maybe more ways to move about on the board. Like I finally got the card where you could turn into like mist form. And so I could kind of teleport almost to different spots. And I'm like, Oh dude, this really changes how I move around. Like this is excellent. So more things like that. Um, and, and like other things to pick up along the way or different paths, maybe a different baseboards. There's, a variety of paths. I don't know. Like it just needs a, li- a little bit more. And I'm not sure what exactly that is, but like the, the, the bones are there. Absolutely. Like it does have that clank S like I'm trying to push my luck to see how far I can go and then still come back in a lot of ways. Um, and you're just racing really against time. But, uh, I just I just need a little more layers that like Clank has for it to be a truly excellent game, but it's still a good game. Absolutely. That was a long winded way to say, yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I like this game. It it gets compared to Clank because it's a deck builder with a board, but I do think they're different. Yes, um, yes. In Clank, you have to go down to get artifacts. You don't have to really move past I don't know the, where the treasure chests are in this one. You can just go collect all the treasure chests, keep going to the tavern and hunting if you want to. Yeah, I didn't go very um, far when we yes. played. So there's a couple different options here. You can kind of do what you want, but just trying to figure out the best way to get the most blood because that's how you win. I like it. I do, just like Clank, I think there's a lot of downtime between turns, a lot. So I, I don't love that about these types of games, but it's fine. It's probably just because I don't know how to maximize my turns and get the 1,400 cards out like everybody else does. But mm, That's true. But yeah, I, I like this one. I'm glad we bought it. And it's definitely one that I want to keep trying to play and maybe find out more about as I play it. Yeah, is this this is one of the ones I mentioned, I think, last week on our um, anticipated games. It was maybe an honorable mention because purely based on vampire theme and deck building. But right. yeah, I think it really did come together. I like it. All right, so the next game we picked up is a game that I think was also on your anticipated list. It was. And it's called Picture Perfect, and it's from Arcane Wonders. Um, and it plays two to four players, I think. That yes. sounds right. Yes. And effectively what you're doing in this is you are trying to figure out where different people want to stand around this table. It's a little deeper than that. But each player's each character is going to have three different traits and places that they want to stand. So maybe someone wants to stand in the back row. They might want to stand next to this person, and they may not want to have this person's face showing in the picture that you're going to take. So you're trying to figure out how to do all of these things for all these different characters, knowing that you can't make all the goals for all the characters, but you need to at least try to get one, because if you can't make any of the goals, you're going to lose three points for that card. So that is no bueno. Um, you can also make some of the cards of VIP, so they're going to score twice. So if you think you're doing really well on that, you can stick this little VIP card in there. It scores twice for you, but it also scores twice for everybody else. So maybe it's someone they didn't see, so they might get lose a lot of points, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a puzzle. We thought it was going to be something else. I, I was thinking it was going to be like deduction. At least I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was going to be like a deduction game kind of. And it definitely is not that. It's more like an abstract puzzle. So... Now that we got this, you've played this more than me. So what I do you have. think about what do you think about Picture Perfect? I really like this game. Like we sat down to play it, and I also thought it was a deduction game along the lines of Clue. And I guess there's some deduction-ish to it, really. Um, but not in the way I thought at all. And so even thinking it back to, oh, how I talked about it in our last podcast is not what it's like. Um, it's more of like a mind bender Sudoku kind of puzzle. So a lot of it is you playing against the game itself. Um, so you get a number of envelopes with some, with the characters on them. There are 14 of them. Now that I figured out how to use math, um, the 14 characters. So in a two player game, you get five envelopes, which is a lot of information, but the other person has five also that you don't see at least right away. And then there's four in the center that 
you don't see either right away. And so with the three cards in there, sometimes it's impossible. They want to be in the back row and in the front row. So that person just isn't going to score that many. You can't score all three. But they want to be next to a certain person or they don't want their face showing um, or they want to be next to the table. And so it just is this really neat puzzle. And as you open more packs of envelopes to see what different pla- uh, different your, the different pieces want, you're rearranging, trying to say, okay, no, how can I have it next? How can they be next to the lady in the yellow gown? But I also can't have her face seen. And where's the kid going to go? Um, it, it's just like a really cool, thinky puzzle. And then you've got, it's, it's six rounds. So it really does not overstay its welcome. And each round, you're kind of moving these envelopes around in different ways. It could be that you're passing some to, if you're playing with more than two players, you know, one a person either side of you, or you're able to trade envelopes with the middle, or we keep one and everything else gets reshuffled and resent out. Like, um, and so there may be are some things that you never see because someone holds on to it. So there's a little bit of player interaction where you can try to keep some things secret um, and keep some information to yourself, but it. It there also is just this moving about and you're like, oh, have I seen that person? And then you get giveaway an envelope and you're like, oh, I got to move this guy. Did he want to be next to the plant or behind the plant or next to the table? Uh, it's just a really cool thinky puzzle. I love it. There's also like some advanced rules where you do some auction type bidding with these dishes that go on the table. And I really wish that they had been extra pieces that you had to try to figure out who wanted to be by them or um, maybe someone wanted to be behind ones they couldn't be seen. You could use those as extra ways to, to block somebody, which I think you can. You probably still could. Yeah. You could use them to block people, but like no one says, I want to be beside the fruit bowl, which I think would be like a a cool expansion too. So maybe they'll do that in the future. Um, And I don't see why you couldn't play this with more players. Really? Um, Well, yeah, it would just limit the number of envelopes you actually see. But I, I I really like this game. It's not at all what I thought, but the artwork is cool. Um, and again, it's it's like, I like games that challenge my brain in different ways. And this one totally does. So if you like puzzles, and my sister, the accountant, I think I she and uh, I, her, my sister's sister-in-law, and I played this, and she was like, oh, I think she would really like this. And I totally agree. Like for logic-minded people, I think they would love this. Um, even kids, like this is some, this is a kind of, this is based kind of on exercise that I played as a kid. I did as a kid in school in one of my classes to figure out where things go based on certain clues and how you can make them work. Um, so I think even for, you know, late elementary school, definitely, um, they, like kids could play this game and the pe- moving the pieces around, um, the 3D table, like all of that makes this game so cool. I really like it. Yeah, it, it could just be little discs and stuff like that. But because you have to hide people's faces, the standee is really nice. And we did get the acrylic little standee people. We paid extra money. That's right. To get board game upgrades. That's right. I know. So, it's a shocker, guys. I can't yeah. believe he sprung for it. He, he was did. like drunk on Gen Con and just went for it. I, I, I seized the opportunity, I got to tell you. Probably because I've been harping on the fact that I still have not gotten the like upgraded book pieces for Fire in the Library, which I stopped at the at their booth and they were sold out. Sold out, yeah. So he decided he wasn't going to pass up on this upgraded opportunity. Yeah, and they are nice. They're like clear. They just look really nice around the table. But irrelevant, the cardboard pieces would work just fine. But yeah, this is a really good game. I like it. The puzzle is tough. I'm bad at this. I played the demo and I played once with you. That's the only times I've played. And man, I am getting no points. I can't get any points in this game. I'm bad. I spend too much time trying to just focus on getting one thing done for a lot of people as opposed to multiple things done for a few people. And I kick myself. It's just I'm not good at it, but I do enjoy it. I don't understand how you're bad at it. Like, I feel like this would be something you'd be good at. You did better than me, I think, when we played the demo at Gen Con. Like, I totally crapped the bed at Gen Con. Yeah, when we that's played just because it. you didn't understand it. And it's hard to get rules explanations at a con because everybody's talking and all that. Yeah, it's tough. 
Yeah, because I came in thinking it would be like, oh, deduction, and we're going to have to ask questions to do this. And I'm like, wait, what? What's happening? And I felt like an idiot. And our demonstrator was like, oh, let me get the CEO of the company to come play around with you guys. And I was like, what? So then I'm like, okay, the CEO of Arcane Wonders is sitting across from me. He's going to be like, this chick is a moron, doesn't know how to play this game. He did kill it, though. Yeah, he he did really good. (laughs) Um, I had no idea what I was doing. But it was fun, and he was really fun. Um, but since then, I have upped my game. It gotten much better. I totally right. stopped Jason last time we played. But yeah, I just need to play it more because I got to figure out the puzzle. It takes me longer than most, and I'm terrible at games, so that doesn't help either. You but are not terrible at games. I'm just terrible at games. winning games. I can play them, and I understand how to play them. I just can't can't win that well. So speaking of another game, I can't win. Uh, the third game we got at Gen Con. Uh, it's in the Camel Up universe. Because everything has a universe, like I said earlier. And it's called Camel Up Off-Season. So this is has nothing to do with the original Camel Up. It's just Camel Up and theme only. Um, it has camels. That's it. It has, it has camels on this little caravan. And it does have one little blue camel, that, like the first player token, that looks like the other camels that you stack on top of each other. So, But that's, that's, where the, that's where the theme stops. And what you're doing in this game is you are bidding to get first player doing these different auctions. There's multiple different auctions that can come up based on the top of the card that's in this card tower that's also the resources. So the back of the resources is going to tell you what kind of auction you're doing. So you're bidding for turn order. It's effectively highest bid auction, but there are a few little tweaks. And you're going to get first player. Then you're going to try to get these different cards from these markets. And there are four different types of goods. There's dates, there's fabric, there's pottery, and there's fruit. So when you go to a market, you're going to take all the cards at that market and some of the markets are going to give you special abilities to maybe move around some cards, maybe give you some tokens so you can do some other, like peek at some of the face-down cards. Because some of the cards are going to be face-up, some are going to be the face-down. When you take those cards, you're going to have to put one of each type of good onto a camel. So if I put fruit on a camel, I can't also put pottery on that camel. So there's four camels, there's four spaces, there's four different types of goods. Each camel is going to hold one good. The trick here is the camels hold a different amount of good before they get too heavy and they collapse so the first camel can hold three cards the last camel can hold six cards so you're trying to figure out which camel you want to load up with what to try to make sales so they don't get overburdened because you could get a pile of face down cards maybe i have three rugs there's four face down cards that are all rugs i have the three rugs on my six camel now i have seven cards all those cards get discarded my camel collapses then once you take the cards from the market you're going to be able to sell one type of good um, to earn some money because you want to have the most money at the end of the game. That's how you win. So I could sell fruit. The trick with selling fruit is there's four different types of fruit. You always have to sell the least valuable fruit. So if I had some pomegranate, which is the least valuable, and I had some pineapple, I have to sell the pomegranate first to get to the pineapple. So that's kind of the trick there. With pottery, you have to sell the same type of pottery. So if I have blue or red, if I have two blues and three reds, I may want to sell the three reds because they'll give me more money. Um, with rugs, you have to sell different colors of rugs every time. There's six different colors. So you're trying to get the most different colors to score the most points. And with dates, you're just trying to sell as many dates as you can. I think you can sell like 17 or something of them for like 25 bucks. So you're going to do one sale and you're going to keep going like this until all the cards in this, uh, tower are done doing the auctions, taking cards from the market. And then at the end of the game, everybody can sell one item from every camel and whoever has most money is the winner. So it's a, just an auction set collection game with a little bit of push your luck because you never know if your camel is going to collapse under the weight of the goods. So what did you think about Camel Up off-season? I really like Camel Up, and I feel like just like the original Camel Up, um, I'm either going to be have a really good game or a really bad game, <laughs> which is how regular Camel Up goes for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm awesome. I get like 50 points or I get like 12. So I feel like Camel Up off-season is going to work that same way for me. I like it. I would like to play more of it because I think I need to figure it out. I feel like it goes too fast, though. And maybe that's just the way it is with four players, but it can play up to five, right? It can play five. And yeah, you're going to be using more cards from the tower with more players. So if a higher player game probably will go faster. Yeah. And I wish there was more opportunities to sell stuff off your camels because I feel like they're just... My camels were collapsing under the weight of my decisions many, many times. Um, but 
I, I do like it. I think it's fun. Um, it's very it's very light. I think it's oh, very yeah. light. Yeah, it's just auctioning a set collection. It's really light. The hardest part is figuring out how to sell some of the goods. Because I honestly think maybe that regular came up was a little thinkier. Um, but I like that it's a longer sustained game. And I would like this. Like, I like what we're, you're doing in this game. I would like it to be longer or there to be an extra phase or something. Um, like a barter phase or you can trade stuff or, you know, something. But I, I think it's good. And and the artwork is cool and fun. And I think, again, like I felt like with the hunger, like there's totally potential there. And maybe I just need to have more plays of it. But yeah, I liked it. And also, we already have videos of all three of these games up on our YouTube channel. And I'm even in one. That's true. You are. You did a video. Good job. Thank you. I know. I know. It's the least I could do. Make a public appearance. <laughs> I actually like this Camel Up offseason game a lot. It's it's effectively like a little filler game. I don't think they marketed it as more than that. But because it's in such a big box, I think that tricks your head into thinking that it's going to be a bigger game. So it because of all the nice production with that unnecessary pyramid and the coin thing and the big uh, palm tree tower that holds the cards, it's just there's yeah. a lot of nice production in the box for just it's effectively a filler game but i enjoy it i like auctioning i like set collection i like the never knowing what you're going to get in those face down cards it could make your camels crash or collapse I, right. I like all that it's a fun game i probably like camel up better but they're not the same game at all by any means no, but, not at all not yeah. at all in fact you could never have heard of camel up Correct. <laughs> and pick up this game. It might even be better, actually. Yeah. I think there's a level of expectation if you played Camel Up that this is going to reflect it, and it just doesn't. Correct. Which is not a bad thing. It just is. Right. So if you like Push Your Luck, Auctions, and um, Set Collection, I'd say give it a try. It's not super expensive. It was like 40 bucks or something. So it might be a little high, but it has some nice production. So that's kind of what you're paying for a little bit. Agreed. It was good. Those are the games we played. So now let's roll into some thoughts on our first ever Gen Con experience. Yeah, there are several reasons why we've never been to Gen Con before now. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with Gen Con, it is, I think, in the U.S., the largest yeah, board game I convention. I'm pretty sure that's correct, yes. Um. And takes place in Indianapolis, Indiana, which fortunately we're like just about two hours away from. So not too far for us to drive over in a day, which is what we did. Yep. Um, one of the big reasons we have never gone to, well, one of the big reasons is Jason didn't want to pay to go to Gen Con. Correct. It's ex it's a little out of my budget to walk around and then spend more money. Like that. that's tough for me. Um. So... We haven't gone before now. Um, but the other thing is crowd size. Like, we just don't like being around lots of people jockeying for line position and stuff. Um, and so this year was really a unique kind of scenario in that there weren't a lot of people there, in my opinion. Yeah, well, they capped the crowd side at, size at 50%, so that does help. Um, yeah. So I think but there was like 30, 35 grand or 35,000 people, I think. Well, that's the other thing is I saw, I don't, I forget who it was. I should have written their name down so I can make it a big stink, but I don't do that on the internet. Um, this guy who wrote this article about um, how crowded Gen Con was and it was concerning people. And there's this picture that looked like the hall was just packed full, which... Okay, I'll. To me, it looked like a picture from a different year. But again, we weren't there for this, so we don't know. Right, but we weren't there when the doors opened, so I can admit that it's possible that when right when the doors first opened, everyone was crowded and one place waiting to go in. Okay, after that dispersed, it was really light as far as traffic goes. It reminded me of a light day at Origins, actually, like. On a Saturday at Origins, I think it was busier than I felt like Gen Con was. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've, I've always been told that Gen Con, you have troubles getting to booze to buy things, just walking down the hall. I think we maybe got stuck, uh, slowed down, not even stuck, like one time. Yeah. 
we never had an issue. We could always go up, buy whatever we wanted right away. Maybe one person in line ahead of us. We didn't demo a ton of games. We just did Picture Perfect, but we sat right down and demoed Picture Perfect. There oh, was yeah. no issue. I mean, granted, we went on a Thursday, but still, I mean, it's Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it was it was amazing. No issues with any of the the crowd getting in the way of us having our Gen Con experience. So that was nice. Which actually, I mean, for us, it's good. Uh, Jason does not like lots of people, just as a general rule. Um, his ass hence, the, hence the sign from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hence the I don't I want my house to look unwelcoming. Um, however, I I don't have a problem except. Um, with a lot of gamers comes a lot of gamer funk. And I did get whacked once by someone's game book bag. Oh, yeah. Those are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that was really annoying. He was very apologetic to me. And I'm like, it's okay, dude. Like, no big deal. Um, but that that does really annoy me. I'm like, seriously? But even though we didn't demo, like, a ton of games. Well, actually, we demoed another one um, that... If I can find it at a good price point, I want. Oh, yeah. Dream Crush. Dream Crush. Yeah, that's true. Which is something else to check out, by the way. We haven't talked about that. Um, but yeah, it was really easy for us to like walk up. He was talking with somebody else for a few minutes, but walked right up, talked to the designer. He walked us through the game. Like, not a big deal. There are plenty of other games. If we wanted to, we could have demoed. That's true. Um, just because like there... I felt like there weren't a ton of people. And another thing, besides not being a ton of people, also there were empty spaces in the exhibit hall where there weren't exhibitors. Yeah, a lot of people backed out because of the COVID and all that type of thing, and they didn't want to contribute to anybody getting sick and all that type of stuff. But yeah, there were lots of empty booths, which were, was kind of nice because you could actually go over there and like gather your thoughts in the empty booth space. Agreed. And, like, and people could move off and... if they want to chat in the middle, like yeah. some people like to do. They at least could get off to the side, which was which I, I kind of liked, actually. I think I'm like, oh, maybe we need to do this <laughs> at cons. Um, but also, I didn't feel unsafe. I think I saw maybe three people the whole time we were there not wearing a mask. Yeah. I Yeah, I didn't even see that many. I saw the, the two kids. I didn't see the third one. But yeah, that's... So one thing that... We were struggling with was finding some of the games that we were looking for. So yeah. I know there were some games like some uh, social deduction or just not social deduction, but deduction games or mystery games that Katie was looking for called Suspect. Yeah. We looked for the, that company's booth, didn't see it. We walked around, didn't see it. And then I watched an unboxing from Tommy V and somehow he found it. I'm so pissed I, off about that. Yeah. I want to be like, Tom Vassell, you just send me a copy of that. Because you can get it anytime you want. I tried to find it. I couldn't. I'll even pay for it. I'll PayPal you, Tom. Yeah. We looked in the the book that showed like the directory. Wasn't in there. No idea. It, it was bizarre. I don't know where these games were. But we were struggling finding some of the things we actually were anticipating to check out. So that was kind of a, a letdown a little bit. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, in the booklet, they like can point you to places um another thing that did help we didn't really take advantage of it because i thought oh we won't need this in the press room they had boxes they had all like the newly released games that were being released at gen con so you could look at them um you know touch the components and stuff and then they had like a, a post-it on it that said hey here's here's where the aisle and the booth number of this game but i did not see the suspects game in there <laughs> Yeah, they had a lot of other games, but I didn't see that one. So maybe we just don't know how to look around Gen Con or apparently read in the, the book to find these games. But that was the one bothered thing that I had. Um, I also thought that compared to con prices, because I'm a big guy on price, I, you know, you all know that. I thought the prices at the con, outside of one game that we really wanted, were pretty reasonable. Like, Picture Perfect was like 40 bucks. I feel like that's a reasonable price for a board game. Uh, Camel Up was $40. I like that. I'll do $40 all day long. Um, so I didn't feel like I was getting raked over the coals. Like, I feel sometimes at Origins when I go, and there's like this little tiny box game, it's $60. And I'm like, come on, man. But, yeah. <laughs> I Maybe because they were just trying to make some sales and, you know, get some stuff going so we could uh, get the games played and get word of mouth out. They had prices down a little bit, but... I don't know. I, I didn't think Gen Con would have prices that were that reasonable. Really? I 
you. I kind of felt the opposite. Like, I thought there weren't as many good deals as I wanted. Like, um, we looked at the Furnace game, which looks yeah. really cool. That one was a ripoff. Um, but yeah, it was super expensive. And they even had a bundle deal. And it's still, for like the the smaller box game that it is, even with the playmat, I'm sorry, but I'm not paying $50 for that. And then um, what? there was another game. Oh, yeah. The Belgian beers race was yes. $85. That was sad. Which, I mean, we knew going in that it would be yeah, yeah, yeah. more expensive, um, obviously. But I, f- I felt like, especially with the crowd size, I'm like, do you want to take this stuff home? I mean, it was Thursday. It was Thursday. Um, I don't imagine that they slash prices <laughs> as the weekend goes on. Uh, yeah, maybe on Sunday, but yeah, probably not. And a lot of things, for me, price-wise, I felt like there weren't as as many games to really get your hands on um, to actually buy. But maybe it's just, I wasn't interested in as many, but I felt like most booths had like one or two games they were selling and that was it. Well, even like the hunger, we had no way of demoing that. So that was a blind buy uh, because they didn't have a demo table set up. So either you have a demo and you couldn't buy it or they would have places where you could buy it. But, the demo wasn't right there. It might've been in the building somewhere, but it wasn't at the booth to make it convenient. And I feel like that was a, a missed opportunity a little bit there too. Especially cause there's space. There, there definitely yeah. was space. Um, and maybe that was lack of configuration or something, but the fact that there weren't demo copies, like I get it also, you know, in a, uh, a pandemic world, maybe not demos, but they didn't even have the box open. So you could look at the components. Yeah, that's true. That was annoying. You can at least touch it, read some cards, look at the rule book, at least get a feel of it on your own. <laughs> yeah. Right. And even when we sat down to demo Picture Perfect, okay, everyone used hand sanitizer before they touched the pieces on the board. Everyone was wearing a mask. Um, I mean, I, I've i been vaccinated and I've had the, the I've had coronavirus, so I maybe feel safer than other people, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know if that was the reason why they're didn't seem to be as many demos as I was hoping, but I mean, most people seem pretty open to demoing games and they did have, have some, um, I just felt like each booth didn't have as many variety maybe of games. Yeah. And then you had people like, um, who was it? Um, plan B where camel up was, they had their whole booth was effectively demoing. Yeah. They had some stuff for sale, but, it was a lot of demoing. There were just tables and tables and tables of demos. <laughs> or like Renegade. They had like three or four tables of Nidavellir. We've had that for like half a year or more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which is fine. But if you're selling and putting out new games here, why wouldn't you put space towards those? Like, I just, yeah. yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying these are some things that I happen that like I thought about when we walked around. Um, but still, the fact that you could sit down and play a game, no problem. Um, that there were demos available, um, I think was cool. And I think my issue is if I compare it to Origins, I feel like at Origins, there's lots more opportunity to pick up like little games. That for me was the biggest difference because I feel like at Origins, there's plenty of little like 20 buck games or even like kid games or filler games that you could stop. You can stop, play and then be like, oh, yes, this is great. I'm going to pick it up for like 20 bucks or whatever. And it seemed to me and maybe that's the focus of Gen Con that it was lots more bigger games, um, bigger price points. And that was the focus. And maybe that is how it is. I don't know. Yeah, I I agree with that because there's a lot of smaller little indie publishers, I think, too, at Origins because I'm pretty sure Booth Space is probably cheaper there. And you can take some chances and get some little random card games or some trick-taking games or, like, that's where we got the home Sherlock and Mycroft game Mm -hmm. because it was a little game. It was 20 bucks, and we're like, okay, we can try this. So I feel like – and you've had more opportunities to demo that at Origins. Again, this year is a pandemic year, so I don't want to, like, say this is always the way it is. And I've never been to Gen Con before. So, you know, we're just talking about what we saw on Thursday of a pandemic Gen Con with 50% uh, capacity. But I feel like if I'm going to go to a con, one, I think I would just rather go to Origins. It's closer to our house. Um 
it seems to be more in our wheelhouse of stuff that's there. Like yeah. your Euro games, there's not as much Warhammer and all that kind of thing. Gen Con had a lot of that kind of stuff. And that's a whole section of the hall that I don't even care about. So I'm not going to go look at that. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like Origins better with the caveat that this was the, a, a different Gen Con. So I don't want to do a direct comparison. Yeah, I'd like to go one time and probably we would do a Thursday again um, to Gen Con to compare it to a more typical year. Um, and I, I think that's a possibility in the future. I, I like Origins, but that's, I think, because I'm comfortable with it. And also for me, while Origins does have more games I think we're comfortable, we like, I also think they have more non direct game stuff that i also oh, like true. to look at like yeah. i like the jewelry jewelry booth i like um like the tea turtle teas they have like those fun gamer related t-shirts you know other stuff that um i think is fun and cool accessories and stuff as a gamer that you, you're not going to really find anywhere else or you're going to have to like search etsy like pretty seriously for what you want um so I, I like that about Origins, but I also am open to trying Gen Con again for sure. Um, the nice thing is, like, we one of my friends lives really close to there, so we were able to go out to lunch with him. And so that was another kind of bonus for Gen Con. That's true. To, to see our good friend Justin, who may never listen to this podcast. He says he listens to us when he mows the grass. Um, <laughs> I don't know how often he does that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I also think if we went another year to Gen Con, there would be more like new games coming out, right? Like a normal schedule, because normally Gen Con releases piles of games, and there, you know, the three games we picked up were like three of the maybe twenty <laughs> that were there. There weren't a whole lot of them that people were like excited about. So yeah, it'd be nice to see what that looks like on a normal year. Yeah, but so we had fun, um, and I hope maybe in future years we can meet up with people at Gen Con, at Origins, because um, that's another really, I think, cool part and fun part about conventions, and uh, is seeing is getting to meet new gamers and meeting up with some of our gamer friends, you guys that we only like see on the internet <laughs> um, to actually get to hang out together, so... Yeah, but it was fun. It was something I would like to do again at least once. And we are pretty lucky that, you know, Gen Con's just about two hours away. Um, Origins is about an hour away from us. So we're close to two, like, good cons. Um, so I, I suppose that there's that. that we, can, we can have the luxury of being picky. That's true. And we can drive there and come home and don't have to buy a hotel and all that kind of mess. Or right. fly and all that. Yeah, so that's right. nice. It is nice. So, yeah, um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about Gen Con. I don't know if anybody went. Please tell me. Um, hit us up on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Really, we, we love to hear from you guys. I love when Jason's like, hey, we got a new YouTube comment. Or, oh, did you see that so-and-so posted this on The Riveted? I love that. Like, that is the best part about doing this podcast is getting to interact with you guys. So tell me your thoughts on Gen Con. Did anybody go? If you didn't go, why not? Um, are our observations way off? Like help me to know what I would be in for in a typical year. Um, but yeah, we, we would, it was, it was, it was good. I mean, we always have a good time when we get to spend a day just with board games. That's true. And each other. So it was just me and Katie walking around. Doing what me and Katie do. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> Whatever Argue about the do. price points of games. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so uh, also check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. Uh, they just, this week, if you're listening to this when we drop it, they did some stuff that they were excited about at Gen Con 2. None, I don't think any of them went, but I know Tim went vicariously through his sister who picked up some games for him. So right. he did get to kind of experience a little bit. So go check them out. They're pretty good and... Um, not pretty okay. I don't want to say pretty pretty good. They're them, and yeah, they, they <laughs> have setting a good the bar too high for them. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, they have a good show, and they're friends of ours, and we enjoy like just chatting with them. So check them out. Yeah, and um, a lot of the game again. I mentioned at the top the games that we mentioned um, some last week, and the ones that we mentioned playing 
all have videos up on our YouTube channel. So check those out. And we're hoping as we're heading into fall to have more like Halloween type theme games um, going out as reviews. And I will try to get myself together to be on those videos. Oh, can I wear costumes? You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I have this pink wig that I feel like I need to wear in a video. I don't know. So who knows what's going to happen? Fall is my favorite season. Halloween's one of my favorite holidays. So keep posted on our YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, click on that bell so that you get notifications. Because who knows what kind of videos we're putting out. Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right. Well, I think that's it for Jay. I'm going to go enjoy this beautiful fall weather. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>